Welcome to the Songwriter Connection Podcast. Our show originates in Nashville, Tennessee, Music City, USA. We connect you to the songwriters and the stories behind your favorite songs. Join us as we take a look at the craft of songwriting through the eyes of the songwriter. Now, here's your host, Dave Linehan. Hi, I'm Dave, and thanks for joining us once again for the Songwriter Connection Podcast. This is Season 1, we're in Episode 16 today, and by now, if you've been listening, you know the routine. I'm in Nashville, and it always seems like I'm surrounded by songwriters, and it's cool because I love songwriters, being a songwriter myself, and each one of these creative people have amazing stories to share with you, well-crafted songs, and we're going to focus in on those uh, uh, tips that help you uh, be a better songwriter. And uh, we'll introduce you to a new writer each time and, and make that connection. So after years in radio and television broadcasting, so I, I, you, you've probably heard me say this before, I'm new to podcasting, so I'm learning as I go, and I hope you don't mind. Um, the original plan, uh, as we started in February, was to do 26 shows, release them every other Tuesday through the end of October. That would have given us... 26 shows in season one, but things just evolve and change, you know, and you go with the flow. Um, I never expected to have so many great songwriters, um, you know, line up to be on the show. And, and, and I'm just overwhelmed by that and just extremely happy about that. And about season or about, uh, it must've been episode four or five. We just decided to just release them every week and we've been doing that, but I have another idea and, and here's where I need your help. Um, I'm thinking, Get 20 in the can. I work about five weeks ahead. Like, so t- today, when we, as we record this show today, um, we, um, I kind of lost audio there. Maybe it's just my headphones. There it is. It is just my headphones. There you go. Um, getting, uh, I worked uh, about five weeks. So like today is April 28th, 2021. This show is scheduled to publish on the first. So I'm thinking, you know, we've got all these great shows in the can. Maybe get to 20, 25, and then just publish them all at once. And you've got uh, season one complete. Uh, so let me know what you think. And I do love to hear your comments. So find us on the social songwriter connection podcast and uh, comment, if you will. I love getting suggestions from folks as to which guests that we could have. And our guest today was a suggestion from my really good friend who lives in Houston, Cheryl K. Wood. Uh, Cheryl and I, uh, I get to know her, uh, when we both lived in Cincinnati and she sang a lot of bands in Cincinnati and, um, and, and also solo. And, uh, I just uh, fell in love with her voice and her style. And she suggested that I have my next guest on. And I have to tell you, uh, I, I hate putting music into categories in genre. And uh, I hate it when people, uh, I, I can't say hate. That's a strong word. I always have a hard time answering the question, hey, what kind of music do you play? And lately, my pat answer has been, well, uh, hopefully good music, you know, but that's that's up to you to decide. I hope you would enjoy it. I have always been about the song. I try to write the best song. I, and my philosophy is that if you write the best song, it's going to find its audience. And if that audience needs to define it, then, hey, so be it, you know. Now, I see all this because what I'm about to say next is could seem like a contradiction. <laughs> and I'm talking about my guest here today. Um, and I will tell you that when I listen to her music, I get the same feeling that I do listening to a Jason Isbell or a, a, a Brandy Carlisle. And I love both of those. So it, and maybe that's an unfair comparison because this lady is blazing her own trail, defining her own style, folk and roll, if you will. I love that term, by the way. Um, great melodies, honest, hard-hitting lyrics. When I listen, it's like she's just ripped her heart out, put it right on the table, and there you go. And that's just so hard to do. And, and such an honest, 
uh, way of writing songs. And her voice, folks, let me tell you, amazing voice. It will definitely melt your heart. And I really believe that she is on the verge of a meteoric rise. And I am so pleased to have her on the show today. Welcome, Jamie Harris. How are you? I'm doing great, Dave. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's good to see you. I have been following you uh, since Cheryl told me all about you. I guess you guys did a little um, like living room show for Music to Life, was the organization? We did, which is a great organization that empowers artists to plug into their communities. Um, they enable artists to use their art to make a difference. And, That's great. Uh, Cheryl has started a program writing uh, parents who have childs or children who are in active addiction or in recovery, yeah. which I think is absolutely incredible. Yeah. And uh, a lot of what I write about is uh, mental health, depression, and recovery. And so Cheryl and I connected in that way, and it was great. really great to share that show with her and to hear her story, which I didn't know. She's got an amazing story, and she's doing great work. Yeah. Let me ask you, folk and roll, is that your term? Is that one out there? That's my term, although I have discovered that I think there have been some records in previous decades uh-huh. um, titled Folk Roll. I just felt like it was the best way to describe what I do because at the heart, I feel like a folk singer. I love Woody Guthrie. Mm. Um, I'm learning a lot about being a troubadour, which is a completely different experience than being um, the leader of a seven piece band. But I'm, you know, I'm, I like to use my music uh, for not just entertainment, but for healing and sometimes align myself with politics. So I'm mm. not afraid to go there. Um, and, you know, I love rock and roll. Yeah. So why not? I love, media, I love you know, all that stuff. And, um, and it really has evolved because uh, I used to be a competitive ski ball roller. Really? I don't know if you're familiar. I am with not. <laughs> it's a, it's a wooden um, ball that you, you throw into different uh, oh, yeah, sections yeah. of a Sure. It's like very popular. On the, uh, on coastal in coastal cities, and I'm a big pinball fan, and I'm a roller coaster. So all of this like roll stuff isn't just about rock and roll, but it's like it's roll. fed into my boyish hobbies. Yeah, I did play that rollerball at, at Cedar Point, which I grew up in Northeast Ohio, and they always had them there, and and it was always fun. Yeah, I loved it, and I love pinball too. I love pinball. Great. Yes, yes. Many nights playing pinball at the Valley Inn in Sheffield, Ohio. So that is cool, man. I love it. Um, let me ask you, um, I want to play a song first because um, I'd like to get a song right away on the show. And this is, I think, the first song I ever heard by you. And you've got a new album that came out in March, uh, the Con- Congress House Sessions. And that's a, a legendary uh, studio in Austin, right? Can- That's correct. Yeah, down on South Congress. Right. And, and uh, you know, South Congress. And it used to be out in the middle of kind of nowhere, but now the city has grown so much that it's been enveloped. And I just found out that they're actually, they've sold the land. So the Congress House will no longer be physically in the same space that it's been no. for decades. Um, although Mark Holman and Andre will continue to make records at a different location. So I'm really glad that I made made mm. this record and captured all these photographs in that space, which uh, is important to me because so many records I love were made there. And I deeply love Mark Holman. Mm, that's great. You know, we're losing a lot of studios here in Nashville too. seems like they tear them down and put up condos and music city has been disappearing. And it's just so sad music row. I should say it's just so sad. So, but anyway, this album, your first album was monumental. And we'll talk about that. Um, and what you did is you kind of stripped down uh, these songs and I love them. I really do. Um, so I want to play a song from it. 
Um, and this is the first song I heard, uh, but I heard the version on uh, the Red Rescue album first. But let's listen to this one. It's called Creatures, and I love the video on this too, and then maybe afterwards you can tell us what this song's all about, okay? All right, here you go. Creatures from our guest today, oh, and that's it Jamie strange, Harris. Isn't it strange how the night will change
Isn't it strange? Isn't it strange? How the night will change you. I just love it. Jamie Harris, did I tell you she has a great voice? <laughs> She's got a great style. That's a great song. Can you tell us a little bit about how it came about and what it's all about? Yeah, well, um, I was in a folk trio for a little while called Five and Dime. And um, I, you know, I just had this um, memory of turning on to Airport Boulevard uh, or from Airport Boulevard onto I-35 in Austin. And I just had this melody in my head and it just Mm. popped in like out of the sky, like, oh, isn't it strange? Isn't it strange? And I didn't know what it was about, which is always exciting. Every time a song drops in, I usually have no idea what it's about, which is part of the fun for me. And, um, and just at the time I was in that band, I, uh, three part harmony was a big deal, a big part of what we were doing. And I was thinking about, well, what could this be about? And what does it mean to be strange? And, and I'm, I'm pretty nocturnal anyways. And one of the things that I love about the night is how, you know, some things that are beautiful and are non-threatening can seem really threatening at nighttime just because of the mystery and and, in the reverse things that should be dangerous can be um, shrouded in mystery in the night and seem more appealing than they actually are. And um, to be very honest with you here on your show, Dave, I was in a a, a brief romance with a person that thought that they were actually a vampire. Really? And I was all... (laughs) sincerely thought that and I was like you know early 20s come on you know gotta give me a little bit of a break finding myself in the city but yeah and and I was like well that's kind of an interesting topic because you know that that's something that that changed you know someone that really changed a lot from day to night um so that was the in- initial inspiration for the song. It turned out to be a great one. You know, there's so many great things that are, are that's been written about you, and I just want to share some of these things. NPR uh, calls you the next queen of Americana folk. You know, and then I mean, it goes on and on and on. I mean, uh, your 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 record that came out in 2018. A lot of critics say that is one of the best Americana records that came out that year, and in fact, it's been uh, compared to. Uh, Car wheels on a gravel road. That's high praise. Listen to Williams' album. That's got to blow you away. I, I love Gretchen Peters and her quote. Uh, she's a great songwriter artist, too. Um, she says about you, she's quick to pay homage to her musical heroes, but Jamie Harris is her own person with her own voice. She's got a natural songwriter's instinct for the hard truths and a voice that brings them home with a visceral punch. Pay attention. And I've been paying attention. It's so true. But and then you say in an article I read recently that your most awesome um, compliment came from a fan as you were coming off stage. You said, you are the Emmy Lou Harris of Austin because you sing back up with everybody and then you do your own thing, too. And, and I understand she was a big influence on you, right? Massive. So when I I'm always down to talk about Emmy Lou Harris, when I was um, five years old, um, it was around Christmas time, and I'd asked for a Pegasus for Christmas. I was hoping you'd tell this story. <laughs> I really was. <laughs> Which is funny because I haven't really been obsessed with mytholo- like mythological creatures really since then. But anyways, um, and because it was Christmas, my dad had this Light of the Stable in Lou Harris record. And I Love kept that. putting that song on repeat and repeat. I think it's like Dolly Parton, perhaps, and Neil Young singing background vocals. There, I was just... I couldn't get enough of that song. And so that was the the year that my parents really noticed I was interested in music and got me my first guitar. Since a Pegasus so, was kind of out of the question, you know. <laughs> they were like, is there anything else you possibly want? I was making promises at kindergarten recess, like we're going to fly around in a Pegasus gang. It's going to be great. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah, so that certainly was, you know, had 
Emmylou's voice and something about that style of music really um, took me in. And, you know, even later in life, I got to go to the first Austin City Limits music festival that wow. they had. And in one day, I got to see Patty Griffin, James McMurtry, Buddy Miller, Julie oh. Miller, and Emmy Lou Harris play. Oh and that had a massive influence on me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and Julie Miller, too, like one, being on stage with Emmy Lou Harris, I knew from my grandmother who went to church with Julie Miller's mother that Julie had spent a lot of time in Waco. So seeing like someone from Waco is sharing the stage with Amy Lou Harris, like mm. blew my mind and made it seem possible to me that this was an achievable dream. I remember working in, in Cincinnati radio, having the opportunity to bring her out on stage at a show. And it was just, um, I was just so thrilled. And, and I still think about that. We made eye contact, you know, <laughs> and she gave me a nod and I'm like, ah, I love her. I always did too. Big fan. Um, now, you had a chance, I understand, to play with her recently, right? Not too long ago. I did, and it all oh, blew my mind. So we were on the Kayamo Cruise, which is a, a floating musical cruise where they bring in a lot of folk and Americana artists. And I was there with Mary Gaucher singing. Yeah. And it was wild because Mary said, oh, I got invited to do this show with Emmylou Harris and Amanda Shires. Oh, I love her, too. Casey Chambers. Oh, yeah. And Casey Chambers, who's one of my favorites, and she grew up singing with her dad like I did. And yeah. so I just have always loved her. And Carlin Carter was going to be on the show as well. Wow. And um, they said, well, why don't what, would you want me to ask Emilio Harris if you can come to rehearsal? Something about me, I would rather go to, I would, I was like, seeing a rehearsal, peeking behind that curtain is like the best high for me. I That's bet. better even than being on stage, like getting to see how other artists work and how they formulate their craft. I'm just like a little sponge taking it all in. Yeah. And I said, sure. And Gaucher said, well, to Emmy Lou, well, you know, Jamie's been singing some with me. So, um, and Emmy Lou said, well, if she's already singing with you, why don't you just bring her along? So I'm like dying inside. I mean, I could not be cool about it, you know? Yeah. And um, <laughs> so I got to share the stage with Emmy Lou and, and it was wild because um, Carlene Carter was in the show at the beginning and then she had to take off for a different set. So I never sound checked and um, Carlene's monitor didn't have anyone else in it. Oh, so no. I'm doing this show on a big theater stage, very far spaced out oh. the monitors and no one's in my monitor. So I'm like, oh, I hope I'm doing like, I was a little kind of freaked yeah. out, but I just had to trust that it was okay. And, and my, it was really special because my mom and my brother were there and they got to you nice. knowing what, how, what that meant to me was a big deal. And Emily was very complimentary afterwards, which just made, I mean, made my life. And uh, we've done some other political benefits where Emily has hopped on stage and that's been that's great. really great. Cause it's almost like, I, of course I would love to sing harmonies like with Emily supporting Emily but being an additional harmony singer with Emily is, I just can't even, a, my yeah. mind is blown. And, and I, I still can't be cool about it. I just yeah. I think it's the coolest thing that's I'll ever bet. happened musically. I feel your excitement about that. That is really something. And she is special. She really is. Now, you said you started out with, and you also started out with a, with a duet, you and your dad together. And I love the name. Um, and that's the, you know, if you dig, the, it, the information is out there. Uh, so you had a nice yeah. little duet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Better off dad. It was better great. off dad. That's right. My dad. Uh, through college and law school by playing in cover bands, mm. uh, which he enjoyed very much, but he always wrote songs too. Great. And so he was always really encouraging, like, you know, there's something really special about being a songwriter. Mm -hmm. um, not only there's is there a little bit of a financial benefit if you're not just the artist, but the person writing the songs, but there's an emotional 
benefit as well. Yes, so he is. really steered me in that direction and was my first co-writer. Wow, that's great. And you just recently got a cut with another artist, right? And that's that's always a big thrill, isn't it? Um, song that you wrote. Yeah, we've mm-hmm. been writing with uh, Sam Williams, who is Hank Williams' grandson. Wow. And he played the Opry. Um, I guess it was must have been 2019. Must have I remember been 2020. that. Yes. And. And he chose that song as one of the songs that he got to sing on the Opry, which was incredible. And Sam is a force. He, you know, he's a young kid, but he knows what he wants to say and how he wants to say it. And he is not afraid of anyone. And so he stood up on that stage for most people that don't know, you know, if you're a tourist coming to Nashville, Hank Williams got kicked out of the Opry. He was never re-inducted. So, you know, he could have. Sam Sam was up there, you know, his first time at the Opry, and instead of playing it safe in between his first and second songs, he said, I think we should re-induct Hank Williams into the Opry. I mean, <laughs> what a brave, brave soul. And then he yes. just played that song on the Colbert show. So, my, yeah, I mean, That's so it's been cool. a magical ride, wow. this whole song thing. And have it being done by, you know, country royalty like that, that is something. Yeah, very good. Um Let's, uh, can you play another song? I would love to hear, hear another song. I think it's time that we do that. And we're going to try this because we're Zooming today. Uh, are you in Texas as we talk? or Because I know you moved to Nashville, I'm right? Nashville right now. You're in Nashville yeah, now. I am in Nashville. Well, welcome to Nashville. How long have you been in town? Well, I think, I can't really remember because uh, it's kind of difficult, but I think I got here sometime at the end of 2018. Okay. And um, But pretty much... Once I quit my day job, I was on the road full time opening for and singing with Mary Gaucher. Yeah. And then after We're that happened, that. the uh, you know, the pandemic stopped us in our tracks. So yeah. I've just been here. So I still have uh, haven't really gotten a feel for Nashville quite yet. I have to tell you, I've been watching your Sunday streams on Facebook, you and Mary, and you're great. And I also saw um, the show you did, the live stream you did from the Mucky Duck in Houston, which I understand is I've not been to Houston, but I understand that's like the premier songwriter nightclub, right? That's the place. Rusty and Teresa are just diamonds, and they've helped build a lot of artists' careers. Mm-hmm. They were really, really great. Hayes Carl helped build him up. And Hayes Carl, Greg yeah. Trooper, and Hayes Carl. Yeah. yeah, he's you know he started out in Houston and playing the playing the duck, and um, wow. right now they're really supportive of another co-writer friend of mine named Pat Byrne, who hmm. moved to Texas a few years ago. He won the irish version of the voice so oh, if you can imagine being thanks. in ireland yeah you know none of those irish folks can sing <laughs> all <laughs> yeah right voices in the world yeah are all in ireland irish tenors so and things yeah 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 exactly and so, that's an irish pub right the, the monkey duck it's it is i love it, it. Is. yeah they have a big uh a big party on saint patrick's day mm. they have irish it's, it's a great hang. We got a cool place here in Nashville. If you haven't been yet, you should uh, go to McNamara's. Have you been there? McNamara's? It's in no, Donaldson. Neat place. Oh. Nice Irish pub. I go there a lot. My name is Lenahan. You know, it's, it's Irish. <laughs> so, are you ready? I know you got to do some switching, and I might echo, but it's worth it. It's worth it. There you go. There you go. Stay in the clear 
so hoping you'd play that song <laughs> that is my favorite song that you do and it's just amazing and remember what i said in the opening um i mean it's like you pull your heart right out and there it is i mean there it is and um it's something is is it okay to talk about addiction and what you went through for me yeah 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm willing to talk about that, of course. Yeah. How did it start? And and I know you've been sober for a long time, and I know that it's affected the music. And you, they say you write what you know, and you've been you've been putting it out there. And you're you know, tell me about it. Yeah, I feel like for me, that song "Snow White Knuckles" feels like the first real Jamie Harris song I ever wrote. Really, you know, and I wrote it when I was. 24 years old, three months into my first real, real, real solid attempt at sobriety. I'd really sort of tried to get sober a few times before, but um, this this was kind of a, a, as far as I know, at a bottom for me. Mm. And uh, and yeah, you know, it's, it's funny, sober a long time, but, you know, I've, I've got a friend that says you're only the, the most so, sober person in the room is the one that woke up first today, which I think is a really good way to look at it as a, mm. as a daily thing. But yeah, I mean, for me, alcoholism runs in my family, both sides of my family, and uh, pretty hard. And my grandfather, unfortunately, kind of the the uh, the end of his life was a direct result of alcoholism, and so it's kind of been something uh, we we have uh, we've talked about in our family. Uh, we've never really shied away from speaking about it in our family. Um, but for me, it felt like once I. You know, I, I grew up in Waco, which is a, it kind of tries to fight Nashville as being the buckle belt of the Bible yeah. or the buckle of the Bible belt. Yeah, the buckle. And so, for me, the, right? Yeah. So for me, it was like very cool to be a good kid. It was cool yeah. to not go to parties. It was cool to be involved in the church and all of that. And so, and I was afraid of alcohol because of, you know, how it had affected my family. And so I wasn't really a partier. But once I started drinking at 20, 19, maybe 20, it was like, there was never moderation for me. It was mm-hmm. immediately all the time, as much as I could, couldn't stop, no control from the very beginning. And eventually that led to two arrests. And it was the second arrest, um, that band I mentioned, Five and Dime, we got to be yeah. in a James Taylor, Carol King tribute at the Cactus Cafe, which of course being nice. a huge fan of Texas songwriters, the Cactus Cafe is a big deal for me to be on that stage. And mm-hmm. that was my first time there. Uh, or you know what I'd sung there as a harmony singer, but that was the first time I was really there, like on my own, um, kind of pro- in my own project, which felt really yeah. exciting. And um, that night, I I got to meet Betty Sue, who is a songwriter that I fell in love with at a tribute show I attended when I first moved to Austin. And I didn't know anything about Will Sexton, who had had a stroke. Uh, there was a benefit for him, but I knew that Patty Griffin and Jimmy LaFave were playing that benefit. And so I bust on the street for a few days to get in with my friend. Oh, <laughs> and, um, that's cool. and that's the first time I saw Betty Sue. And I just was really drawn to her songwriting and her voice and her spirit, all of it. And so to share the stage with her for yeah. that night too, was really special for me. And uh, that night I went to jail oh, and no. I didn't come out until uh, several, several, several days later, I thought I was going to be in jail for a year, oh, uh, but somebody brought me out. And initially, actually being in jail seemed like the easiest thing to do. It seems it seemed like, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to survive mm. without drinking on my own. This seems, which of course you don't. I don't believe you survive drinking without your own. I think it it it's done with the help of a lot of people. At least in my case, that's been my experience. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I was just terrified, and I got a phone call from Betty Sue or a text, I guess, when I got out of jail, that asked if I would open a show for her a few months down the line. That's great. And as crazy as it may seem and as selfish as it may seem or even be, you know, the destruction I had caused in my family and my life with my jobs, getting fired and all of that. Like there was something about that that wasn't a bottom for me, but music to lose music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. bear that. And that really 
sparked my willingness to get sober. And at the time there was this great coffee shop slash venue that had a gospel brunch every Sunday. And it was really close to uh, a recovery hang. And I started realizing that a lot of musicians I met right before I got sober were in, were in recovery. And, and I think you we're weren't the only one. Recklessly. Yeah. yeah Found exactly. kindred spirits there, didn't you? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. I and read so about I that. that song, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's something. Now, I, you mentioned Jimmy LaFave, and I know he was a big influence on you and your career, too. Um, and he was kind of a mentor. He brought you along, right? And um, Absolutely. And I bet you still miss him today. He tragically, he uh, he passed, what, just a couple of years ago? Cancer, was it? I can't it? believe it. Yeah. Cancer, 2017. Yeah. yeah. Zero, it'll be four years. It seems unbelievable to me. And yeah, I mean, it's I think about Jimmy almost every day. And I've lost a lot of people in my life. I mean, from a young age, family members, friends, um, some of which I'm, I'm kind of writing through now for this next record, mm -hmm. but there was something about Jimmy's loss and I'm not the only one. He made such a huge impact on, I think everyone that met him, that people that were close to him really, I still get messages all the time. Like I'm having a Jimmy day. I'm thinking about mm. Jimmy and I was thinking about him last night a lot actually, but you know, I never know when it's, when I'm just going to start bawling. There's a mutual friend that we have named Robin Macy, who owns this incredible place called the Bartlett Arboretum. Um, she's one of the Cherokee maidens and she was one of the original Dixie chicks. Wow. And she's yeah. an um, incredible arboretum outside of Wichita into this beautiful place. And uh, she's built, I don't know what you call it. It's, it's this beautiful structure um, that's kind of, she, she hosts shows there too and kind of overlooks the stage. And Jimmy was a huge Woody Guthrie fan. So the music notes that sort of make up the structure are the notes to this land is your land. And it's dedicated oh, wow. to him and, when she showed it to us when we were there last year, I just bawled. I, I mean, bet. it was like, I just, I never know what it is that's just going to un unleash the, the grief. One of my big musical influences was my brother, and I lost him. And, I, and I'll say cancer sucks. I say it all the time. But I lost him to cancer a few years back. So, I mean, how you feel? And, and it, you're right. I could just start bawling right now thinking about that. Um, but after that, you, um, you found a new mentor. And that's an interesting story. Tell us how you met... Mary Goucher. And I love her, by the way. Her music's amazing. Thank you. I, I love her, too. Yeah, <laughs> I know so you do. <laughs> yeah. You know, shortly after Jimmy, well, right around the time that Jimmy was um, kind of preparing to leave us, I guess, there is this songwriting workshop hosted outside of Austin with Eliza Gilkison, Gretchen Peters, and Mary Goucher. And I'm a little embarrassed to say I didn't know a lot of Mary's work. I learned about her through a Ray Wiley Hubbard song called Name Dropping. You know, yes. Mary Gaucher, Mary, Mary Gaucher, yes. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so funny. So, uh, but I'm a huge Eliza fan and I was a huge Gretchen fan. And, yes. and, um, and so I, I couldn't go. And a lot of people knew that because of some, some events that were related to what was going on with Jimmy. And so some fans and friends of mine raised the money for me to attend a workshop cool. at Eliza's house. New Mexico with Gretchen and Mary. And that was really powerful. First of all, it was the first time I'd ever really let anyone into my songwriting process. I'd never been to a workshop before. And I was like learning from three of, in my opinion, three of the best songwriters <laughs> living and why not, you know? Yeah. And yeah, Mary actually, I think felt like, you know, she saw what Jimmy did with John Fulbright and other artists. And she said, you know, I, I, I know I can never take the place of Jimmy for you, you know, but if you ever need anything, if there's anything I can do to help, please don't hesitate to contact me. Mm. 
And uh, we found out very quickly that was not going to be <laughs> the nature of our, of our relationship. And, you know, what, two, almost two years later, we ended up uh, in a romantic relationship. Right. But she's taught me a lot, um, a lot about, you know, as I mentioned, playing with my dad and those situations. I've always kind of been the kid, <laughs> you know, like the, the little kid, the up and coming kid. Look what the kid can do, that kind oh, of thing. And, and Did Mary's that bother you? That, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, no, it doesn't actually. You know, and I think in a way, it, you know, one of my battles is I love being in a supportive role. I love um, being a harmony singer. And you're in so some good ways, at even it. more than I enjoy. Yeah. Thank you. Man. In some ways, even more than I enjoy doing my own thing, you know, and so that I will always wrestle with that. And one of the things that's hard to do, I think, um, is to, to kind of step in in the role of, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not a baby artist anymore. Exactly. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess in the eyes of the industry, I am. But I can Not do a lot long. to help other people behind me. And I, in order to continue to progress as an artist, I have to sit in the seat that I've been given and not think, oh, gosh, I can't believe I'm in this seat with Emilio Harris. She's like, there's yeah. a reason you're in the seat. Sit in the seat. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. don't be a kid anymore. Step up to be in the opportunity that you've been given. So she's given me an immense amount of courage. That's great. And, you know, you do this. Uh, and I want to mention this again, because on Sundays you do a stream, uh, you and Mary together. Mary, Sundays with Mary? Is that what it's called? On the Facebook. Oh, Sundays with Mary. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. And it's always entertaining. So check it out. And I know you sing a lot of harmony. Sometimes you play you play a little lead guitar. I've seen you play a little lead guitar, which I understand is new for you. And that's great. It's right. it's great. Even on that show I watched at the Mucky Duck, you were picking out some leads. And I think you even impressed Mary that night. It's just like, where'd that come from? That was great. Yeah. Super. Let's do another song. I just gotta hear another one. Oh, can I can I was gonna ask, is there something? Yeah. I mean, would you play and tell me the story behind Red Rescue, which is the title cut of that album in 2018? I love that song. Am I too forward to ask you to do that? (laughs) No, no, please. Uh, And I got a tune anyway, so it's a good opportunity. um, Yeah, yeah. I had been invited to be a part of this event called the Tertulia, uh, which is a, a gathering of poets and prose writers and songwriters at the Continental Gallery where James McMurtry, another one of my massive heroes, plays every Tuesday in non-pandemic times. And um, the theme, the the idea was you were given a topic, which is not as bad as it looks. And then you had seven days to write something and present it at the Tertulia. And uh, Wednesday rolled around. The Tertulia was on Sunday, and I didn't have anything yet, but I was riding around San Antonio with a friend of mine. And uh, he's very directionally challenged, but I noticed that he could get around San Antonio with no problem. So I was like, why do you know the city so well? And he said, well, my first wife was from here. And this was an individual I thought I knew very well, and I had no idea that there was like a first wife situation. And I said, well, tell me about that. And he said, yeah, when I was 17, I fell in love with this girl, and she took me to meet her family, you know, like you do when you're dating somebody. And he said when he walked into the, into the house that everything that could possibly be red was red. So, like, the walls were red, the floor, the table, the dishcloth, like, everything. And the mom had kind of, like, long Crystal Gale hair tied up into a bun, and she served them this weird meal of ham and turkey and uh, mashed potatoes and spoiled milk on the oh. table. And uh, my friend decided that he would, you know, he was kind of freaked out by the the scenario and he decided he would try to save this girl by marrying her, which um, if you have any experience with those types of relationships, you know that that doesn't usually work out. And that was the case in in their relationship. And so 
I asked him if, oh, not as bad as it looks. Actually, this this would be perfect for this thing. And can I write a song about it? And he said, sure. I didn't realize that we were going to, it was going to be the title track of the record and have me on the cover set up at a red table and all of that. And so. <laughs> even had the red glasses for a while, didn't you? The red glasses, yes. The whole yeah. deal. Yeah. And it's funny. So I have learned that the family now has a copy of the CD. So I've never met the family. I've never been to the house, but. I guess it helps to add an additional red item into their household. Um, I get so it that's, now. That's a great the, song. Uh, great <laughs> story. Yeah. Love it. Love it.
darkness in our house I felt it chill my bones the second I carried you wedding dress over the threshold you told a Never hear that song the same way. Hear that song. This it's it's good to have it's, the story. It's good to have the story. story so the spilled milk, you know, the spilled milk, spoiled milk, and stuff. Yeah. Milk. yeah. Yeah. Some people want to know, and some people uh, don't. Yeah. Before I say what I'm going to say next, I have to tell you a story. A few weeks back on the show, we had cousin Eddie Heinzelman. I don't know if you're familiar with me. He plays guitar uh, for Radney Foster, and he's got a few great records of his own. Plays in Texas a lot. And um, he worked with Mary uh, on that soldier project that got her nominated for the, the Grammy. And he got to sit in the round with her at um, the Bluebird and they were playing songs. And he, he went up to Mary after the show and he said, Mary, every time I hear you, you make me cuss. And I guess it took her back a little bit. And she goes, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you play a song and I hear it and I, I just go, damn it, Mary. <laughs> So, and he actually wrote a song called Damn It, Mary. It was on his latest CD. So I have to say to you, damn it, Jamie. <laughs> Man, you are some kind of writer. You really are. Man, fantastic. And I want to thank you again to be on the show. And I want to have you take us out with a with a song. And, and you probably couldn't tell by this interview, folks, but I'm a big fan. And I, I love what you do. And, and uh, I'll be following you from here on in. And I can't wait for your next project. You're working on a new project already, right? Are you? I am. So, you know, the whole experience of making the Congress House sessions um, drew me closer to working with Mark Hallman. So I'm making a record with Mark Hallman producing and Andre Moran engineering right now. And it's pretty much just the three of us. You know, Mark is a fantastic instrumentalist and, of course, a background singer. And Andre is a beautiful guitar player. And so we've had, you know, Michele Gazic, um, who plays violin with Mary, um, sent a track in and my friend Dirk Powell, who I wrote one of the songs on the record with, is gonna gonna play on a little bit on the record too. But mostly, it's it's kind of just the three of us, and uh, no one knows my voice better than Mark. He's heard me sing it a bunch of different um, ways, and, and I just I really really trust him. And uh, it was when when I was you know I, I'm going back to do a couple more days in a couple of weeks, um, but we spent a week together in Austin in April making the record, and that's when Mark told me that that they were gonna be uh, moving the Congress House. And, you know, one thing that is cool about 
that space is that they are the city is going to build affordable housing on that land. So oh, instead of a condo going right. up, it's going to be a place where people can afford to live, which I think is that's cool. Uh, that's I don't want to I don't want to assume what Mark believes, but I think that's probably something aligned with his value system. And uh, I'm I'm so thrilled to mm. be to be making the record with him, and I feel really privileged. And you know, had it gone a different way. Um, I wouldn't have had an opportunity to really make a record from the ground up at that place, which means so much to me. So. That's great. And is it going to be called Boomerang Tim? Is that the name of the record? Or just a new, I, song, new song? We don't know. I think so. You know, where I'm at in the process right now is I'm just trying to keep my focus on making the songs the best that they can possibly be. But yeah. I do have a feeling it's going to be called Boomerang Town. Cool. Normally when I can start visualizing with Red Rescue, it wasn't until two years into the record that I knew it was going to be called Red Rescue. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> with this one, it was almost like, it was like, I, I, there's some turning points. I remember when I wrote this song called The Fair and Dark Haired Lad, which was written with Dirk Powell and a, a woman named Katrina Noel. That's when I knew kind of, I had a, the spotlight was starting to shine on the collection of songs. And I went, Oh, I know what I need to, I know what this next record is going to be about. Mm. And that was a couple of years ago. And I was like, I know it's going to be about grief. And oh. and who would have known that in 2020, 2021, we'd be in this position oh, of global grief. Yeah. Um, Terrible. And so, yeah, Terrible. but, but there was something about when I wrote Boomerang Town that I went, I think that's, I think that's the title. It's a magical song. Yeah. Why don't you take us out with it? I really appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, you're like, yeah. 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 If you don't mind. A little you got to tune yeah, a bit. Yeah, sure. I'm gonna yeah. a little bit better. Listen, I, I want to encourage you listening um, to, to look up Jamie Harris. If you're not um, real familiar, I, I guarantee you, you, you give uh, the, the records a listen, and they're going to become your favorites. And they're out there. They're out there. You know, I have to ask you, I'm a vinyl junkie. So are they available on vinyl? Sadly, they're not. They're not yet? Oh, we got to work on that. I think that they will be in the future. I was just not in my folk budget <laughs> set for either of these two projects. Yeah, it is kind of expensive. I've been looking at, into that myself. Behind me, I've got a bunch of vinyl records back there, too. You might only be able to see the books. but I see the vinyl. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I want to go. Yeah, so I'm sad <laughs> that I don't have that. But I do have um, some collector's edition vinyl, which are uh, two uh, singles recorded live in Santa Cruz with the need to know sessions, which has a great roster of other artists that have recorded Gretchen Peters, I love her. Peter mm-hmm. Case, who's her. one of my ultimate favorite artists. Uh, he's done one too. So to do anything that Gretchen and Peter have done makes me oh, feel yeah. extra cool. Absolutely. Um, so that's the only thing I have on vinyal. They're little 45s with custom artwork by Lamar Sorrento. Uh, great. All right. Boomerang town, Jamie Harris, Jamie folks. Harris. Yeah. Yeah.
said she wanted to wait till May to graduate. She'd be the first in her family, so I stayed behind. Thought she could get a scholarship to college, become a nurse, travel the world, but all that. Took a back seat when we saw those double lines. As for me, the only dream I've ever had is getting out of this boomerang town. You think you're soaring. Too young to know There's no use trying You spin in circles Round and around In this boomerang town It's a boomerang Got a GED and a job of 35. The only joint in town that's open all night. The diner next to the seminary. She serves the truckers, the troubadours, the punks. The college kids who trash their booze all stoned and drunk Who always pay but never tip with daddy's money Julie and I come from similar kin Heavy drinkers quick to anger's fist to skin They all live and die here That won't be us, I swore to her I promise you will see the world I just don't know for me the only dream I've ever had is getting out of this boomerang town you think you're soaring you think you're flying too young to know there's no use trying you spend It's a boomerang
After her shift, she lights a smoke up on the bridge under the billboard painted Jesus and lives. Julie steps over the rail, thinks about salvation. The sun arrives and collides with the steeple. Cast a shadow over God's most desperate people. Julie takes it as a sign. Let's go and start flying. As for me, the only dream I've ever had is getting out of this boomerang town. It feels like soaring. It feels like flying. Now I know it's only dying. You spin in circles round and round in this boomerang. Y'all can say it with me. Y'all can say it with me. Damn it, Jamie. Damn it, Jamie. <laughs> so powerful and so poignant. I, I just, it's such, in such great imagery. You're a fantastic writer. My my wish and my hope for you, Mary, is we get through this pandemic, everybody gets their vaccine and you guys can start touring again so I could come out and see it. Selfish, selfish wish, but uh, I hope to be able to see, see you real soon uh, playing out there. I really do. Yes, we love it. Good yeah. Hey, thank you for being on the show. And all the best. Man, appreciate you very much. Join us again next time on the Songwriter Connection. Looking forward to being with you. Thank you for listening to the Songwriter Connection podcast. Find us on social media at Songwriter Connection. Also, listen to Dave Linehan's Nashville Connection radio show. It streams live every Friday morning on WOBL and WNOI. Look for us on Facebook and YouTube. See you next time on Songwriter Connection.